It's life on life's terms. What's up, everybody? We're back. My uh, voice didn't come along with me today. A little bit, <laughs> he left that on the job site. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, the Life on Life's Terms podcast, and uh, I'm Tom Robinson, a grateful recovering addict. Like I always say, we're not affiliated with any 12-step program, although we do endorse them. We do have benefited from them. But they are not responsible for what we say here. What we say, that's we, right. These, these are our opinions and our experience. Yeah, um, this is a separate thing. Yes, we are the Life on Life's Terms podcast. We're just a couple of knuckleheads in recovery trying to bring... Uh, experience, strength, and hope. Experience, strength, and hope to people at all times. Information, recovery at your fingertips. Okay, my name is Chris Mandeville. I am a recovering heroin addict um, and an alcoholic and a crackhead and anything else that you could get addicted to. Um <laughs> A more addict, yeah. From heroin to Hagen Dazs, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so we are here at a New Wave Recovery Center on Quincy Ave in Quincy, Quincy Mass. Massachusetts. Um, lots of States of America resources here. Lots of meetings here. I think they have like three plus meetings a day here, um, just about every day. Uh, what's up, Ryan Carey? Um, yeah, we got to get you scheduled on here too. Um, so you can find us at lolterms.com. Um, you can Please subscribe. You can subscribe from there to whatever platform you use, whether it's iOS, Android, um, and all you have to do is you know download a, a um, podcast player. app, a player, and you'll be good. Um, so tonight we have uh, Reggie. I met Reggie Don't actually last week. Um, <laughs> At uh, a meeting, just happened to, you know, I had the day off. He, it was his first time there. He just showed up, and uh, you know, I heard him share, and I was like, you know, definitely, because you know, we haven't had, um, we've had people that are in the service, but not a veteran that works with other veterans in recovery, mm. which is awesome. And I was like, yeah, yeah. definitely. Very I cool. chased them down after the meeting. Was like, hey, <laughs> exchange numbers, and here we are now. Um, so we're going to let him share his story with us and um, let you know how he got where he's at. Let it rip. Uh, I'm a grateful <laughs> recovering addict and alcoholic named Reggie. Um, I always like to thank the God of my understanding for chale- uh, selecting me and choosing me to be on this this path. Um, yeah. Man, I, I also want to thank this program. Um, I'm really overwhelmed at the spirit in this room tonight. Um and with the progress that we've made, not only here, but all over the world. Um, yeah. And that's a testament to right. recovery. But uh, in starting, um, I had to learn about what recovery meant to me before I started my journey. And what it meant to me is it meant that I would lost something and that I have to get it back. Mm. Yeah. Um, by the time I arrived here, shortly with what I arrived with, it was like sliding in to first base, and you know I was safe. And <laughs> my nice. recovery started um, when I came to the rooms, and I wasn't really looking for someone to show me where a meeting was because what if those people never showed up there? Um, when the pain mm. became greater than the addiction. Um, I was able to find a solution and through another higher power, uh, another human being, um, because in the past, historically, it's been solutional for me to reach up and pull down a crack pipe or a drink mm. or whatever to, that was, um, your, that was your solution to what yeah, was going on. It's a coping mechanism, yeah. right? Yeah. Means yes. to live and getting by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And it, it, you know, I, I know how to fix uh, an inside problem with an outside solution. And and that's what I did. And that's the way that I live my life. But I also came to the realization that as an addict, anything that looks good, tastes good, feels good and smells good 
I have the capability of turning it into something bad. Right. Um, so even as my recovery progressed, um, it cascaded. Um, there were there were new things. There was food. Um, there was sex. Oh, um, yeah. there, there were all many different variables <laughs> that were on the way. But, you know, coming in the process, um, there was sponsorship. And let me explain that because a lot of people are confused with that. And what is a sponsorship with with all those acronyms and all those letters? Spiritual person offering necessary advice on recovery. So by the time I found sponsorship, um, I was ready to learn. I wasn't fully receptive, but. It was a part of my surrender because I, I was the type of person where the literature <clears throat> talks about me and says that I'm a master of deceptor. And what that means for me is that I'll be so consumed at how you look at me in your eyes that I won't get honest and tell you the truth about what's going on on the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they wait said a minute, a sponsor. I thought that's like what we need, like ad. You know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, if anyone's looking to, you know, get their business out there, you can talk to us as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the thing is, it you know, li- the literature in many books about recovery, it talks about how I'm rebellious by nature, mm. because I'm a rebellious person, like. I didn't really want to follow instructions. You know, I came mm. in and thinking that I knew everything. Oh, yeah. Lots yeah. of us do that. Yep. And, I did that. I was there. Mm-hmm. And when, when I came here, I had to learn a whole new language because my language was, is there anybody looking? Do you know who has it? Yeah. <laughs> Are they around? So I had to say things that can invoke speech and impact thought. But I had to learn that from other people because I was so fractured when I came here. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no morals, values, goals, or convictions. But by the time I arrived in uh, an AA meeting, um, I still was fractured because um, I came in and I was halfway house shopping, you know, chasing some poor woman with uh 15 days clean, maybe mm, um, yeah. bringing um trying uh, to fix feelings. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Substituting, substituting yeah. one thing for the other. Yep. And I had to learn how to hold still because I was the last one in and the first one out in the meeting. Mm. And it, it took a long time. Um, I had to listen. I had to be, be, be open. And before I could be open, you know, I had to graft some stuff onto a closed mind. And I learned that this is a fear-based disease that's rooted in fear. And, you know, that acronym for F-E-A-R, forget everything and run. Mm. You know, fear. Um, False evidence appearing real as well. Yes. And I also learned that this is a feeling disease, that everything is about my feelings and the way that I interpret facts to support my own conclusions. And oh, yeah, well, I think that we're uh, especially sensitive to feelings. You know, we can't handle them very well as addicts. That's why we, especially w- whether that's true or not in the beginning, I don't know. I think it probably is. But especially once you get sober and all the feelings come that you haven't been dealing with oh, so yeah. long, you're like, I can't handle this. Absolutely. That's why, you know, relapse is like... You know, I mean, that's that's why I, I used anyways, because I didn't want to feel those feelings. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so you are um, a veteran. Yes. Um, and now <laughs> you had said you were in Desert Storm? Yes. So you didn't, you didn't get sober until after you went over there and came back? Well, w- when I was there, uh, the culture was drug infested with alcohol and many different types of drugs um, yeah and this and is in while you're deployed in the military while i was deployed yeah and and uh so i mean historically it was solutional to grab something and reach up 
and you know try to numb your feelings or mm. uh, you know so that uh, you know you didn't have to live in your own miserable existence but right. uh, you know returning and coming back to a society where um, my occupation wouldn't translate into uh, the civilian work uh, um, career um, that became more uh, of, of you know depressive um, you know, it aggravated my PTSD because, you know, I would ask myself, who am I when no one's looking? Mm. And I kind of adopted that sense of low self-esteem and I couldn't facilitate my own recovery process. So you answered. So you would ask yourself that and then you answered in a negative way. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I did, yeah. Because it is good to ask yourself that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? That's one of the things I learned when I was in Turnabout. I, the, the treatment center that me and him went to together, it was mm-hmm. like what somebody said, I think it was Bob Fagan. He said, uh, character is who you are when nobody's looking. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, now, a, it's a big concept. How old were you when you enlisted? Uh, I was 17. Well, I, I, my first branch of the service was the Army. And years I got out after three years, and years later I went into the Marine Corps. Um, two different concepts, two different ideologies. Uh, the Marine Corps is definitely different from the Army. Mm. Um, it's like, like apples and oranges. Yeah. Wow, yeah. really? See, uh, as an outsider, I wouldn't really. So now— I mean, I know that Marines are— Were you, were you um, active— um, in in the meantime, like when you, so you were seventeen, active you got using, you mean. yeah, actively using or drinking. So you were seventeen, you got back, you you get out, you were twenty, mm-hmm. and like, you know what happened there, and then you ended up going into the Marines. Well, I mean, my addiction started way before mm. I went into the Marine Corps. Yeah. I came up in an impoverished neighborhood. Uh, I wouldn't call it a neighborhood. It was like a projects. Yep. We called it the projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody there was on welfare or su- some type of yep. subsidized type of living. And we always didn't have, you know, all of our needs met. Right. And right. it always made me feel like um, if you had something that I didn't have, that I was going to be okay. If I had it, uh, whether it was mm. a pair of sneakers, whether it was the car you were driving, so would you uh, take it? it? Food, <laughs> I, I I internalized uh, all my feelings, and I started living in an illegal economy. I started taking things, mm-hmm. and um, I I started to adopt the same ideas uh, that I seen my other peers and other children and boys that i was growing up with exactly um, you were a product oh, of yeah, your environment man. yeah it was a product yeah. of my environment um i was uh shoplifting so were we all yeah, yeah. I, I mean i i i don't remember the first time i got caught stealing um i but i know i was stealing long before i got caught mm-hmm. my my first my first addiction and i say it all the time was attention mm-hmm. um whether it was good or it was bad mm. um because you know there's there's some abandonment in my story mm-hmm. so like it was like hey hey look at me and i didn't care whether i was going to get in trouble for it or i was going to get praised for it as long as it was noticed you know um but i remember and and i come from similar background single single mom worked mm-hmm. yep. many jobs um we were just right up the street from the projects to be completely honest, we were like three streets up. We just weren't in there. But that's where I hung out. Those are the people that I went to school with. Those are the people that, you know, I, I gravitated towards because we, we all lived similarly. You know, we, we all were in the same situations. You know, like if I wanted something, if I wanted new school clothes at, say, 10 or 11 years old, I had to work, make money, and, and, and buy them because mm-hmm. mom, mom had to pay for, the, pay for the bills. You know what I mean? So... Like I understand that. That's so. Was there, but no jail? Um, there were times uh, when I had like some juvenile, uh, you know, run-ins and things. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it was a part of the environment. Um, right. You know, that came with the territory. Um, right. A lot of people 
It's like either join the military or going to jail. Mm-hmm. Was that what it was like for you? No. I've had some of that uh, happen on the uh, my first uh, uh, hitch in the army. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know my my environment really devastated and impacted me in such a way where I believe that um, a lot of my addiction is centered around um, the environment that I grew up in. Mm. And um, you know, you know, leaving that environment and going to the army uh, as a young boy, um, that was an opportunity. Um, right. It was an opportunistic thing to be able to go somewhere, like go to another country, leave that environment. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, there was a culture there of, of drugs. I mean, I was mm. always looking at the soldier that stood tall and, you know, they modeled and exemplified excellence when they came home. Everybody liked them. Everybody was proud of them. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. As a kid. As a kid. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I then, see what you're going. Where you're going with this now? Okay. It's it you know similar to someone being good at sports. And, yeah, and, similar to someone that had a lot of attention. And yeah. I said, like, "Wow, look what he did." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's th- respect. Yeah. They were. They're. You know, very honored in the community. Uh, but I didn't know that there was a a drug culture. Mm. Yeah. There was an alcohol culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there was the acceptance, like if if you didn't do those things, your peers in there wouldn't accept you, right? So um, we we talk about acceptance a lot in in this disease of addiction and um, people pleasing and wanting to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and um, I found myself uh, people pleasing, and I find my found myself doing what everyone else was doing just to be a part of absolutely i did it. right i did it so, myself yeah you know that's e- what everybody does. even if you're scared to death you well know? you you find you find a group that you want to be a part of mm-hmm. and then you act as like if them yep <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you do I what mean, they do like do what I they did, do i would do what you liked so that you would like me absolutely you know yeah. right like even if i knew what i was doing was wrong Mm-hmm. It it didn't it didn't matter like I was I was told what was right and what was wrong when I was younger but when it came to wanting that acceptance and and to be a part of that didn't it didn't matter it, it, like the morals went out the window you know dude I remember being real young training wheels young and and uh, <laughs> yeah. and and coming across this lady who had a half half barrel mailbox. Right, and she was planting these flowers in there. This little old lady, mm-hmm. and I was talking to her, and I was, you know, and she said, "Make sure you, you don't let her tell your friends not to pull these flowers up." <laughs> and I swear, <laughs> yeah, right? this, I swear this is true. I come along uh, another day or however long after that, and I'm riding along, and my friend uh, Kurt, who's a year older than me, is standing there next to that those flowers, mm-hmm. and I come up, and he says. Pull that flower out. So I said, <laughs> pulled it out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the people come running out of the house. You can't run, run. You know, I felt so bad and so embarrassed. But it's just like peer pressure. Even mm-hmm. even so young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just do that because you want to be accepted. Mm. Right. Exactly. It I knew it matter. was wrong. It was a bad thing to do. I didn't intend on being a bad guy. <laughs> right it just happened i think i was you know i must have been four you know what i mean hmm. so now you end up um you know seeing how people are respected in, in the military and you know people are you know they get attention so that was like a driving force towards you going into the army yeah in the beginning yeah um when i joined the army i i, I went in as a 95 bravo uh, I was a military policeman. This is way mm. before I went to uh, the Marine Corps. And, um, you know, I, I was seeing a different side of it. Um, I was seeing more of the, the criminal element of it. And I was seeing the social disease of it. And um, I was seeing things uh, like anything that you would see, like a, a regular patrolman would see, like domestic 
oh, disturbances yeah. that you would you would go to, or or fights at a high school football game where they would have high school there. Uh, people would rob banks on the post. Uh, we had murders. We had rapes. Wow. Yeah. It's no. it's it's like. Everything that the real regular world everything has. Everything the wor- real world has. Um, I just never would have guessed that. Yeah, we wow. had uh, a Victor 5, which is a military police investigator. We had uh, CID agents for severe crimes uh, like robbery or murder. So mm. uh, we were v- we were very active. We were engaged, uh, you know, with public, uh, you know, outside public safety officials and uh, various different courtrooms. Um, you know, a lot of the soldiers would even have warrants and we would have to transfer them off base or sometimes even pick them up after they finished uh, with whatever happened in the civilian sector. So um, I seen it in a different way as a young man. Mm. Um, uh, I, I remember responding to a call where there was a suicide and it was the first time that I had seen a dead body. Um, even though I came from a violent community and there was a lot of shooting and poverty, but I didn't realize, you know, how those things would affect me later on and mm. how they, they would attribute to my addiction and how they would attribute to heavy drinking uh, when I would want to take the edge off oh, yeah? to you make the thoughts go away. That site of the, of the suicide was a reoccurring uh, thought later on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a 17-year-old kid, uh, you know, I was still, uh, like, being natured and nurtured, as you would want to say. You know, know, I was still learning about women and, you know, the finer things in life. Um, Mm. I saw life in a different way. Uh, You know, I saw a lot of beauty in life Um, when I seen that. Um, innocence yeah it, you know my whole perspective the way that i view in the way that i see the world was shaped differently mm-hmm. after that um and i don't really know how i internalize it but i know it came out in another way yeah uh, many different ways yeah so and, uh, and that would pr- that you know probably contributed to some of your alcoholism and, and drug oh, use. sure absolutely just, um, just to kind of quiet that, and, and you know, because that's that's like we always say, that's trauma. Oh yeah, absolutely. This, this, yep. This disease and addiction in general, I believe, um, starts from traumas or stems. That, more, oh, yeah, stems sure. from traumas that we don't process, that we don't, and and they don't have to be major. They don't have to be like super impactive, but they right. are there. And if they're not treated, you know, with outside help or, or whatever, you know, and, and I know today that there's a lot of different treatments for trauma, um, EMDR, tapping, this, this, like so many different ways to, to process trauma. And I didn't learn that until I got with a counselor who had, had not worked with alcoholics because um, it was suggested by my, my counselor at my treatment center that I see it. Uh, a counsel outside counseling because you know the recovery isn't going to treat everything in my life and i know that to be very true today um i had showed him he i showed him the big book he read through it he's like this whole fourth step thing is like very interesting he, and and you know like you tell him sharing that with someone else he goes but like if you think about something that's on there is there a feeling attached to it uh, um, yeah, there is. He goes, well, then you haven't really processed it. Hmm. So my first one that I did, we took a few of those things off of there and we did some EMDR on it. And he goes, when you think of things, you should have a memory, but it shouldn't really make you sad or, or, or cause anxiety. Or He's like, because if, if so, Intense it, hasn't, it, it hasn't processed. Hmm. So, um, Dude, I remember it, when it I... It was awesome. When I first saw uh, a dead body, it was my great-grandfather, and I think I was 16, and I involuntarily just took a step back. Mm. You know, my mother's walking next to me. She's like, you all right? And I don't even know why I took a step back. I was like, yeah, I'm all right. But it is. It's it's a big deal. Now, 17, mm. people say that you're supposed to be like an, almost an adult or something. You're not, yeah. though. You're not. You're, you're, you're still developing. You're still just guessing at yeah. the world, right? Right. It's a tough... Uh, 
it's a tough thing, especially I could imagine in the military you have to, you know, try to act as if you got it together all the time. Yeah. You know? So now you're, you've this thing has happened, and and you know you're trying to move on with everything. Um, well, what happened was uh, I got out of the army, uh, and I stayed out, I believe, for a year and a half, and there were no jobs, and. Uh, I couldn't really find my footing, and so I joined the Marine Corps. Was that early 90s? Uh, that was in the uh, later 80s, and um, it was a whole different uh, uh, whole different culture, the Marines. They, they were definitely different. More intense. They were ve- it was very intense. Um, I didn't think I was going to make it uh, at some times. Uh, mm. But I knew, uh, and I went in as an Anglico person. And, and, uh, as a what now? An Anglico person, um, a person that directs uh, naval gunfire, uh, fire from, uh, f- uh, uh, from fighter jets. Uh, yeah. There's so ba- more to it than that. Basically, you, know, you shoot the laser where things? the targets were. Yeah, there's more. There's a whole lot more to it. Mm-hmm. It's very lengthy school. Um, mm. It's very physical. Wow. Um, there, it entails a lot, uh, but uh, when I was in uh, Okinawa, Japan, um, I became uh, my my alcoholism uh, it progressed so bad that I even found an AA meeting in Japan. Uh, the first time I ever seen one. I, at that wow. time, I didn't know what AA was. Mm. <laughs> Even when I was in the army, I didn't know it was. I was never introduced to it. So let me get this straight. This is your first AA meeting, and you went to, in Japan. I didn't want to go on the base uh, because I didn't want anyone to know that I had a problem, mm. and I wanted to keep it a secret. That's pretty wild, though. I mean, that's and, probably uh, pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, somebody, <laughs> somebody told me about it, and I actually had an interpreter there. Wow. That was interpreting the meeting for me, and that's uh, cool. Uh, so that was the hand of AA, right? <laughs> They're wow, there. It's a worldwide cool. organization. Yep. Um, very cool. And I you know, it. later on, I came. You know, I I decided to come out with it. You know, I found a, a way to surrender to it, and uh, you know, I started going to some of the meetings on the base. But um, you know, that also goes in. Um, you know, your four hundred one file. Uh, you know that you have problems with substances, and you know it kind of it damages your, your permanent record. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it damaged uh, some some security clearances. You know, oh, I yeah. had high, high mm-hmm. level security clearances, so I think I got bumped down one. Uh, but um, it wasn't something uh, you know that was optimistic. It it was something that uh, you know hampered your your career uh, a little. Now, bit. had you gotten in trouble for your drinking while in the military at all? I got in trouble uh, because I wanted to you know be accepted. I I, I ran with crowds that would would tear up bars and mm. you know that would have these gang fights against other companies. And the wow. military was very harsh on it. They 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 wouldn't allow. Uh, you know that type of behavior. Uh, you know, um, so you know they would actually discharge people. They would punish people. They would put people in the brig. Um, you know, you paid a heavy price. There were consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started getting some consequences. You know, like they say, the thought, the process, the outcome, the consequences. Mm. And so that's the way it went, and I, you know, I had to straighten up. <coughs> but uh, you know, when I left there, um, I, I I landed, you know, back into the states where um, the crack era came out. Mm. There was oh, there was yeah. a new crack age, and um, it was something that I was totally unfamiliar with, and. Uh, I started on that um, during a sexual encounter, and uh, I th- really thought I found a friend with it, um, but it was so <laughs> destructive. Oh, man. Like, it God, was so progressive. Um, I couldn't begin to tell you the things that I've done. I mean, just to get one more or um, just to get addiction. one. Oh, yeah. Um, 
the psychological addiction of that stuff is so powerful. I would. Yeah. I remember trying to get sober. I, I tried to get sober a bunch of times. A lot of detoxes in and out, you know. And I remember just imagining that that crack rock disappearing, and it just trigger you in the, in my mind, and it would just like it would start that process. Like, all right, you know, you'd be I'd be sitting in there, and it would you'd you'd be waffling back and forth, and then that thought of that it would just tip you. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. And then you'd realize, all right, I'm using again. Like this sounded good for a day and a half, but now as soon as I get out of here, right? Because it it is it's it's it's, it's such an addiction, mental addiction. Yeah, psychological, you know, the, the, the physical. Who heroin's like, the I physical? Mean, it it trust and believe it fucks you up. Like oh, it fucks your body up uh, big time and your mind. Like some of the stuff that I did on that stuff, like you know, mm. hearing people peeking out the windows. You know what I mean? Oh, Carpet yeah. farming. Like, well, I mean, my addiction had become so bad that I was living in an abandoned car, mm-hmm. and I put signs on it, and it said, private property, keep out. <laughs> right. And the labor ready was uh, like 20 yards away. I mean, a perfect place designed for an addict in mind. Oh, uh, the labor ready. Where yeah. I could work for $20 uh, yep. for a little bit of crack or whiskey or whatever <coughs> not. And then when they say how, you know, addiction is a progressive disease, you know, how it progresses, then it went to the heroin. Mm. Mm. You know, when I had a street sponsor that, that was, you know, hey, you need to try some of this. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, at the time, I, I became a diabetic. Uh, and I remember loading really? one, one syringe with insulin and, and, and one with um, heroin. And I had uh, diabetics have an A1C level where it could tell you, uh, you know, where your where your levels are at. Um, when I came to the VA uh, as a patient, mine's was an uh, A12. Uh, that means that I was getting ready to die. Yeah. Even yeah. as a uh, a VA patient, and when I when I went into the West Haven VA, um, I was real cocky, belligerent, and uh, I, I stood by the door and I said, "When this thing's open, I'm leaving." And uh, this bell started ringing, and everybody started going to their rooms on the ward. And uh, you know, I was surrounded by ten people. And now, and, uh, is is this before you went into the Marines, or is this after you came? This home? after I got out. Mm. Yeah, and I saw my recovery started, and uh, you know, they uh, had to force me down on a bed and. Uh, tie me down they put me in restraints and, oh so um, i was gonna ask was this 10 people who were just talking and there's 10 people who were grabbing oh yeah that, I, I, <laughs> I never been picked up so easy in my life um wow and and what happened was it took my power away what state it, was this in west haven connecticut connecticut okay wow yeah it 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 uh it made me it showed me how powerless i that i was mm. and i wanted some of that power back uh, oh yeah! Someone can pick me up Absolutely. and throw me down and medicate me. Uh, it it it. There was an urgency. The gift of desperation had to come right. from somewhere. Right. Yeah, man. Uh, I because that. I, I mean, it, there, that was the change when the pain became greater than the addiction. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, like I like I shared with you the other day when I met you. I, I worked at the VA when I was young, sixteen years old, and I had mm-hmm. seen them do that to people. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to. I I had a key. I had to. Open the door, get the food in there, make sure that door is locked quick, you know, because someone gets out now it's on me. You that's know? like that's like uh, being told when the when the when you're in the dock and you know or you're in the out in the court and the judge says take him into custody. Yeah, I remember hearing that the first time, and it was just like what? Yeah, and like I had a whole plan for my day. Yeah, take him into custody and off you go. It's like you don't have control over your own life mm-hmm. because you're not responsible enough. You're not adult enough to, to be out on the streets. Yep. Well, then Ugh. there were there were more stages of recovery that I went through um, because you know how they say how the disease becomes uh, progressive and fatal. Yes. And when they were talking about fatal, I didn't understand what they were saying. That means that there's something out there that can kill me uh, without the drugs. But um, one of the one of the other uh, problems that I experienced was pornography. Yeah. See, because, you know, the pleasure principle, you know, I was always trying to feel good. 
And what I found yep. out is something that tricks us. It, it fools us. It appears to be something passive when it's really something aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's, it, it affects yeah. all the same centers in the brain. Sure um, it does. You yeah. know, drugs, porn, all, all that stuff. Like yeah. Yeah. people, people end up getting sober and, and like all they want to do is have sex. Yeah. Know? And, and right. they, they can do just as much damage. Absolutely. Just as much damage. It's, yeah. it's like you're using these people as your drug. Yeah. Right. You don't care. Selfish and self-centered to the extreme. You don't give a shit about the other person. I say, like, when I sponsor people, I say this all the time. You can do whatever you want. You want to get in a relationship? Get in a relationship. But remember, anytime two people lay down, someone's getting up with feelings. It could be you. It could be them. They could be bad, <laughs> and they could be good. But there's yeah. always feelings attached. I don't care. You 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 can throw that no strings attached bullshit on it. Mm. it. It don't happen. That's just how we are as right. a species. Mm. You yeah. know, my my father uh, don't realize the damage we can do. My mm. father had a good analogy. It's like taking two pieces of duct tape and put the sticky sides together, and then you got to rip that apart. Mm. You know, those things aren't the you know the same after you're done. Absolutely. Mm. You know. So so what did you were you treating this the same way or? Well, what what I what I learned about it uh, is that, like I said, it appeared to be something passive, but it was really aggressive mm. because what was happening was domination, control, and submission in the movies, and even the women that were in there uh, were subjected to and used with drugs yeah. or what yeah. have you not. And um, what what else was happening was when my fantasy couldn't match my reality. Uh, mm. I would get in my car and I would go out and turn corners and, and pick people up. And I talked about the part where when I was talking about fatalism, you know, how we, we talk about how the disease is, is fatal. Yeah. And, you know, there are other things out there that that can kill you. And the thing that the reason why I say that is because uh, I was picking up some of these people and I was saying, wow, she looks good. I don't have to use a rubber. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. See, my disease—the way that I thought, um, um, you know, my disease was picking uh, these people uh, that I wanted to pick up. That I that I thought that you know they were regular people that that I can have one of these encounters like that, and that right, it's okay. Right. But uh, what I was doing is, uh, you know, the obsession, uh, yep. the impulsion. Um, you know, the cycle of addiction, um, something happens way before you even pick up a drug or a drink of alcohol. And, it, and yeah, the thing is, sure. it's risk taking. Once once you take one risk, you're going to take more and more risk. Right. And it's not a healthy recovery. It's not a healthy recovery process uh, because, I, you know, more often there were times where, uh, you know, I picked up a woman and it wound up where we were in the Super 8 motel because she wanted that. Uh, drugs and I wanted the sex, and I have to talk about these things because my, my my sharing, my ability to share, depends on freeing someone today um, from their own addiction. Uh, um, the way that I share, I have to keep it real <coughs> because there's someone else out there that's in recovery that's thinking like this, absolutely, or exhibiting this type of behavior. They're running around with it, and I was that guy that. I was in the meeting uh, sharing like Shakespeare and living like Genghis Khan. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't tell you right. that these things were were happening be because, um, you know, there's a difference between telling the truth and being honest. A mm, person mm. can tell the truth in the wrong way and can manipulate the truth. That being honest, the honesty won't allow me to live in deception or to allow me to live in a lie. Mm. That's right, because see, see, you know mm -hmm. your truth. I know that there's an activator, you know, because we, we talk about the allergy. You know, something has to open up this disease. There, something has to trigger this disease, and it, it right. begins with the pleasure principle. Right. You need, you, you, you need a catalyst. You get that dopamine <coughs> dump, you know, whether it's, you know, from driving around looking or, mm -hmm. or you, you know— you 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 have the the you you get the woman's attention or the man's attention and you know what I mean. It just the whole 
that's like the chase, like trying to hunt down the drugs and find the drugs. Sure. You know, it's it can be equally as damaging. Sure. To, I, I, it, it can cause a relapse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't, well, don't even have to have any drugs involved, mm-hmm. but it's the feelings, right. you know, the way you feel after or, or you know, or it's. You find out how the other person feels. It yeah. sets you. It sets you a little bit out of control. Yeah, you're yeah. you're chasing something, and you're willing to compromise your safety. Yeah, um, or and or uh, you know, and it's not something you can share with with everybody in your right. life. Right. Like well, even if you're mm-hmm. just watching porn, mm-hmm. like I, I, you know, I had a little a little period of that, and uh, you know, you, it's it's like it becomes an obsession. There's too sure. much dopamine. Mm-hmm. That comes from it. Yeah, it's absolutely. too much. Easy to quick hit, and uh, you're trying to fulfill this script that you're watching mm-hmm. with a normal person. Yes. you know that that yep. has no idea of the script that you're trying to to you know <laughs> yeah. play out. You're the you're the actor trying. If everything goes off the way I want it to, I'm going to be all right. But mm-hmm. even if you're just by yourself watching pornography, yeah. I mean, you're talking about. Uh, a quick fix, something that's dumping a ton of dopamine into your life, and as addicts, it's just you get addicted to doing that. Yeah, you're looking forward to it. Yep. You're like, all right, can I get along for a minute? You know what I mean? It's not. It's not. Yeah, Russell uh, Brand addresses it a bunch because he was um, he was he had an issue with it as well. It's not truly fulfilling. No, uh, it, it became so bad that when I was turning corners at night one time. And, uh, you know, I was driving around. I says, where are they? They're nowhere. Then I started getting closer. I says, oh, there goes one right there. And as I got closer and closer, it was a fire hydrant. I mean, that's how, that's how <laughs> yeah. bad my mind was playing tricks yeah. on me. Oh, but wow. And, and uh, you know, it, it it's damaging because, uh, you know, you're up all night. You have to be in work at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. Now you're late and you got to come up with an excuse. So it has repercussions. Um in ways that, uh, you know, it can affect many areas of your life. But what it is, is accepting the unacceptable. Mm. Because it's not acceptable for an addict like me uh, to do that. Um, you know, I, spiritual principles are never in conflict with solutions. And that's what we're taught. Right. We're, we're not. I was we're, just going to bring that up. We're 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 taught a twelve step program, but everybody keeps forgetting about the the principles, mm. the the spirituality. Each, yeah, each step has uh, a principle. That's right. You're everybody's not, forgetting about our, our character that needs to be addressed. You, I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta walk your talk. We're you know, granted a daily reprieve uh, contingent on our spiritual condition. Right. And our spiritual condition isn't right if we're watching porn all the time or if we're, you know, like you say, chasing Absolutely. this and that. And, and, I, and, and when it wasn't that, uh, in my fifth year of recovery, uh, I have 14 years this coming May. In my fifth year of recovery, I was shoplifting. Oh wow! And and uh, that's a that's a behavior that from yeah. your youth, right? I mean, that's something you used to do long long ago. Well, not only did it come from a youthful uh, experience, it came from like when I was talking about before that if I seen that you had something that I didn't have, oh, okay, I felt that I was going to be okay. My whole life would be all right if I can have that watch you're wearing. So yeah. so it was situational happiness. Well, circumstantial it, happiness. Quick fix. Yeah. yeah. If I got that, I'm going to feel okay. Well, it was adrenaline because yeah. um, it was, oh, it, it, okay. was, it was uh, no matter where it was, Walmart, Target, Sears, it was a matter of who was going to make it to that front door first. Mm. And if I got past that, I mean, I felt a rush and I felt so good. Yeah. That I, that I got these <laughs> items and I got away with this. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the thing of it is, is that... Um, my recovery and my life was in jeopardy because um, there's consequences for, for my actions. They get, they get jail yeah. for sober people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, have, they, they have clean sales for dirty addicts. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and the thing was is that um, after a while of watching the behaviors manifest themselves, um, I finally began to see the process for what it was. And when when they were talking about spirituality, I couldn't get it. And mm. the thing was, is 
that if if I'm a spiritual person and I got to throw bodies in the river at night, something is not going to line up. Yeah, with yeah. Me saying right. that I got to get to a meeting at five o'clock. Mm-hmm. Let me get rid of this body real quick. It, yeah. so it just when you doesn't say the process conflict. Which, which process do you mean? You mean the recovery process or the process of going into this um, substitution uh, addiction type thing? Well, a part of being in the process is um, I have to approach it. Um, by means of spiritually in nature like if you dropped a dollar bill in here today um, there was in the past i would put my foot on it and you would ask me hey did you see that i said oh no i didn't see it but i can mm. help you find it but i'm standing on it yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the thing is is that re- recovery uh, uh is also attributed to <coughs> a spiritual disease i mean i have to become a spiritual person um in order to live in recovery with mm. with boundaries ethics morals values goals and conviction i can't pull the door when somebody's trying to come in behind me i'll hold it today because if i'm practicing this type of behavior uh, of good conduct being a good person in my c- community um i'm carrying the standards but also um i'm becoming a part of my own wellness and my own goodness Mm. I, see, I believe mm. there's a piece there, too, that we, we can identify ourselves as someone who does these good things. Mm. And we respect that. Anyone respects someone who does good things. Right. right? And you're going to disrespect someone who does bad things. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to disrespect yourself in your heart. You know what I mean? So that's, that's the thing. And that's where it's like, you know, characters where who you are when no one's looking. But you're looking. Even when no one else is, yeah, and and you see it, you're like, and you think in the back of your mind subconsciously, this is who I am. But if you continue, that's why you do the right. You act yourself into right thinking. Continue to do the right thing, mm. and then you think in the back of your head subconsciously, oh, I'm good. Yeah, and it I, gives you a smile, right? Yeah. Well, in our big book, it says God. Uh, I believe it's a hundred and twenty-one times. Is that all? And it, and, uh, it says it a lot of times. Uh, yeah. I mean, but people try to move the remove the equation. But I know that you know God for me. Like if if you have a slick mouth, He's going to keep sending you back to the unemployment line. Mm. If you don't like people bothering you, He's going to send you more and more people you, to bother you. You, yeah. you will. <laughs> you the universe will provide the lesson yeah. until you learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend. Um, that was in my group and, and like this guy did not want to pay for razors mm. sober he said fuck that they're too expensive I'm like, and for years and years and years he stole razors and then you know one one time he goes to steal and he just didn't feel right starts sweating getting nervous mm. he, he, he you know basically it was a spiritual awakening like hmm I, I'm not supposed to do this, you know. And and, and there was a couple other things that he didn't sometimes like to pay quickly, for. Sometimes quickly, yeah. sometimes slowly, right? But <laughs> you know, removed from the drink for a long time, hmm. but still practicing. And, and you know, a friend of mine says it. It's not an old behavior if you're still doing it. It's a behavior. Hmm. You know, like we have to change everything. And like you said, living, living practicing these principles in all our affairs mm-hmm. not just in a meeting like when you leave that meeting you need to do the things that you're talking about doing in that meeting you know i i have to walk around as if someone is watching at all times because my higher power is yeah, i'm getting one god, over on god's him no watching, matter what but, you know but also god's watching but also you're watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that feeling no more. That's right. You know? That can't be understated because we think that we can be happy getting away and getting over. Yeah. But there's another level of happiness that's called being a man of, or a woman of, of honor and, and dignity. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's, that's a level of self-respect that I think that, that uh, you know, it just it's, it's vital to me. In my recovery, you know, I, uh, I can't, I can't try to get over right. because I don't like when people get over on me, and I don't like that behavior. I don't agree with it. I know right. it's, you know, in, in my faith, it's, you know, thou shalt not steal, and that's, 
you know, murder. Those, that's the laws, you know, that's the law. Yeah, see, when we go back to the step working process, uh, which was a big process for me, um, when I got to step one and I finished step one, I mean, now that I finished that, I'm about as clean as I'm going to get. I mean, mm. now everything is predicated on my choices. But the, the surrender that it talked about in one was different than the surrender that was that it talked about in six. But as I got to step 10 down the road, things started to change because step 10 was talking about how not to bring your present life situations into your past life circumstances. And what it was teaching me is that why was I cho- choosing things and selecting things that are drawing me into my own sickness? Mm. And why was I finding myself in the condition constantly that I find myself in? It also taught me in step 10, what happens if you fall off the bus? It shows you how to get back on. Mm. So after I started working these steps, things began to change. I began to develop more growth, um, my recovery, my addiction wasn't associated with losses. I mean, I wouldn't tell you, oh, my lights are turned on. I can't afford gas. I don't have uh, enough money for shoes. Uh, things started to change. Um, I became a homeowner. Um, never been late on a mortgage. Um, <coughs> so your, able to, your, your perspective changed, basically. It, it My perspective changed and my behaviors changed Mm. and um you know i developed morals values goals and uh, convictions Mm. that were contingent upon um my step working process now so you went to the va and you got sober now did you go to any type of drug program while you were there or a halfway house after or well that's that's a good question how did you get into the to the step work and and you know well, well, uh, in all VA facilities, they have, uh, you know, H&I commitments. Mm-hmm. They have commitments coming in from AA, from NA, from uh, various different recovery groups. And I was able to meet some of those people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they would pick me up and uh, take me to meetings off the base uh, when I didn't have a car. Um, so my uh, recovery process started there. And in the process of meeting some of those people, um, they were successful people. A lot of them had uh, gone to college and got their <coughs> degrees. A lot of them uh, owned their own businesses. Uh, some of them were policemen and firemen. One of them was a lawyer. One of them was my doctor at the hospital. Wow, that's cool. And so it was so empowering that uh, um, I saw fit that uh, I wanted to take part uh, and be a part not only uh of my with my recovery but with someone else's recovery so um i went to school for it and um i obtained a job at uh, the va hospital as a certified peer specialist working with treatment teams um and now how long have you been doing that i've been doing that for eight years um in 2016 nikki desongas invited me to the white house and I, I spoke a little bit on um, Veterans Initiative in the Cannon Caucus building. It was on C-SPAN. Um, nice. Wow. Big stuff. And, and so I was able to meet with the governor. I was able to rub elbows with political people. Mm, not bad for a crackhead, huh? It's not bad. I mean, it's just, it just shows you it's, what happened, and, uh, and, what can and happen. It's, right? I had a similar experience. Like, mm-hmm. I was a straight-up homeless junk bomb. Like mm-hmm. running around, stealing, robbing, cheating, homeless, abandoned, stolen cars. That's mm-hmm. what I'd do. I'd yep, steal a car cars, to have a yep. place to stay. Yep. You know what I mean? When it ran too. out of gas, I'd go and get another one. <laughs> you know? And uh, You're talking my language. Got, I got, <laughs> you know, finally, you know, God removed me from that situation and I got arrested, you yeah. know? And I proved to myself that if I got out, I was going to get high again. Like two months before that because I went to... 30 days of Bridgewater and I got out got high had no solution I didn't know anything about AA 12 steps nothing um, so pled guilty got my time did it you know then f- 
what, a month ago, month and a half ago, yeah. I got mm-hmm. to sit down with Sheriff Joe McDonald, mm-hmm. who was the sheriff at the time, and District Attorney Timothy Cruz, who was the District Attorney of Plymouth County at the time. And we sat down on the, on the podcast. Yeah, sat down with them on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And Pretty cool. They, you know, they were like, see, this is what these guys in jail need. They need to see people like you yeah. to know that they can change. Because, you know, luckily I've been sober since I got here. I haven't had relapses since you know, I, I went to jail, treatment, you know, and here I am. Hmm. You know, I mean, another thing I want to say is that uh, one of the things that bring me out here today is the empathy. Mm. Because self-centeredness is the core of my disease. Yeah, um, it, it tells me that it's okay to watch 13 hours of TV all day. Yeah. <laughs> it, it tells me I don't have time for anybody else to listen to their problems. Right. Or to help them ne- negotiate or navigate this tough terrain in recovery when they're just coming in as a newcomer. Um, but um, in order to convey this message um, and, and get this message across and put this message out there, I mean, the empathy. I mean, it's a big piece. Yeah. A big yep. part of this program. A lot of sympathy goes around, but sometimes not enough empathy. Right. I mean, and, and then the other thing, saying, yeah. a, a, as an addict, uh, if someone asked me to do uh, a commitment or be somewhere, um, I'm very prompt. I'm always on time. <coughs> and, and that's accountability. Right. Because right. Uh, in the past, when could we ever show up somewhere on time? Oh, man. I, no. I mean, I couldn't even show up to my mother's funeral on time. You know, like that's it, it's crazy. Like I couldn't. How important is your mother's funeral? You know what I mean? Like couldn't get there on time because I was I was in active addiction. It's yeah. crazy the the wow. the sacrifices and, and like how much I put myself before anything else and how I felt and and, and the drugs that I you know needed. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy! Yeah. Like you want to talk about powerful addiction is powerful, and I don't care what you're addicted to. You yeah. know, it's it's people think, oh, it's just a choice. Yeah, oh, it, no. it it was a fucking choice once, you know. But yeah, then that's back, way you back. know, yeah. I, mm-hmm. it's like having sex with a gorilla. It ain't over till the fucking gorilla says it's over. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. like it, that's it. Like. You know, until you surrender to this and, and, and you know, tr- like you said, trust this process, you, you know, you, it's, I've, I've watched people, you know, I've watched people have time and do this stuff and stop doing what they're doing, stop working their steps mm-hmm. and gone to their wakes, you know, yeah. just watch their families cry when they had this solution, they had it, you know, it's, mm. it sucks. Mm-hmm. It, that's constant vigilance like that's why we do this that's you know that's why i i tried never to say no you know unless time doesn't allow it or a, a previous engagement doesn't allow it i i try not to say no yeah i think it's very vital that we stay connected and networked mm. because what happens is when we don't once you stop hearing the solution here comes the problem yep and it's yeah. something that we have to hear. It's like a diabetic that has to take medication every day. Um, this is, is is a disease that will never go away. Right. It's for the rest of my life. It's terminal and fatal. I mean, it, it right. manifests itself in every single way. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think that um, I need a 25-year-old or 20-year-old woman to, to make me satisfied. I mean, what am I going to do with that? Buy her a skateboard? Uh, yeah. <laughs> When it's time to go to dinner, Chuck E. Cheese, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, at, at 58 years old, I'm, um, you know, I got to think rationally um, mm-hmm. and without my feelings because my flavor comes up in so many different ways. And it's not just in food. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. it's, and, and it, I mean, a Nike hat is not going to make me happy. Right, um, right. I mean, that shirt that I, I really want and I'm craving it so desperate for. I mean, um, you know, that's taking an uh, inside problem and, and trying to fix it with an outside solution. Yep. And after I wear it for a few days, I mean, I mean, even the fact that I have 25 hats, but I have one head. I mean, it, it, it just shows you <laughs> the insanity. 
uh-huh. of the disease and, yeah. and, and how yeah. um, it makes sense out of nonsense. I mean, for us, it's it's not just in the way we use. Right. I mean, right. It's, it's the way we can lie, the way we can manipulate. Um, mm. It's the way that we, we treat people. Yeah. Um, the way that we talk to people. Um, it's everything from the way that, uh, you know, how we take care of ourselves and our health and our hygiene. I mean, reco- the circumference of recovery is so holistic that it goes beyond our literature. Absolutely. I mean, to, to live spiritual in nature. Yeah, I have, to, I have to constantly feed my spirituality with, you know, different things. And it took me a long time, a long time to, to realize that. You know, I, I, and today, like I've I've said it before, my diet is much more than the stuff that I eat. Mm-hmm. It's it's what I watch, it's what I read, it's what I yeah. associate myself with. It's it's where I go. Um, mm-hmm. I have to think of all of that stuff to keep the to keep myself, you know, spiritually g- fit. Spiritually fit. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. crazy. I mean, I I, I mean. When it comes to people, I mean, um, you know, sometimes I, you know, I may separate myself and it, it doesn't mean that I'm better than it just means that I might be better off. Absolutely, and, man. And, and yeah. because the thing is, it's like I used to, you know, accompany these people, you know, they had all these words and the way that they said everything. But what happens is I start taking on their characteristics and their attributes real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, just the same way that I've done in the service, the same way that I did in my youth in the community. So recovery can be lonely sometimes because, I mean, we have to carry the standards differently. Um, we have to associate ourselves with people that are in a working process. Yes. Uh, you know, of becoming in the transformation of recovery. Yeah. Right. Well, I I think, you know. That we, you know, we're all on this spiritual growth journey. Yeah, mm-hmm. those of us who are in recovery, and and uh, you know, you can choose to stop and go in the other direction. Because, like you know, you could say this about everybody, even people who aren't in recovery, that we're all here to learn to grow spiritually. But then there's you know the example of like, well, what was Hitler doing? You know what I mean? He wasn't growing too much. Yeah. You can go in the other direction. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, it usually doesn't turn out for, well for people who do. Yeah, but, like, you you know when you're, you're doing your best to, to practice these principles in all your affairs and, and hanging out with somebody mm-hmm. who, yes, they, they may be charismatic, they may be liked, but you start to change. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I keep my circle small. Mm-hmm. At, there was, I remember when I, I wanted the biggest circle around, and now I realize it, it's the quality of the people that I hang out with, and that's not the quantity of people. You know, mm-hmm. water seeks its own level. I gotta, I gotta stay with like-minded individuals, people that are trying to 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 grow themselves. You know what I mean, and and just be better people and that's dude i have a tendency to herm it up i mean i get yeah. so involved with myself yeah. and my own things that you know I, it I, happens I go to too many meetings i'm so glad we do this you know because it's it's getting me out it's yeah. it's good uh you know i just get all in, involved in my head it's usually pretty good stuff i'm very i'm very i think a lot about spirituality i think a lot about self-improvement uh you know conscious contact with god and praying all the time and yep. all this stuff and it's all well and good but but I think that we need other people, and I, we need to help people. Yeah, like you said, it can it can get lonely at times, and it's it's so yeah. easy to just slip into that loner mode for me. Yeah, you know, just deal with me and and my you know fam, close fam, and but you know, it's good that we have this podcast. Yeah, it's it's hard for mm-hmm. me to get out after working all day. I come home, you don't want to do nothing. Yeah, the couch. Yeah, boom. I hear you. You know, I was freezing out outside all day filling potholes you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. i wanted to just go home and chill yeah but i look forward to coming here and doing this and yeah. you know we, we really appreciate you coming on yeah, and sharing your experience with us it was good yeah, i really yeah. appreciate it um i mean it's empowering um when you're around other addicts um yeah being around other addicts um they they say in 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 our literature it says that we know each other like 
survivors of a fatal catastrophe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shipwreck. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like I can be around an addict, and it's I feel like I know him or her like all my life. Right, because you right. you've, Cause you've struggled and been through the same, same things. Mm-hmm. You know, but yep. but like it also says that feeling can fade mm-hmm. in uh, literature. I don't want that feeling to fade. You know what but I mean? But we can no. be the same. Because we, we have this common bond. We can be the same as, like, you know, uh, a housewife who only drank wine. You know what I mean? Mm. We all get slip into that restless, irritable, and discontent. And that's what binds us. You know, we always were looking for that outside solution to fix yeah. that inside. Yeah, it doesn't matter where you're. That we don't belong. And mm. I mean, it's so it's such a powerful thing, too. It really is. Absolutely. Uh, but So... We appreciate you coming on, and uh, well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, you know, thanks, man. You you've touched on a few things that that not any of our other guests have touched on, and I'm, yeah, you know, it was very cool. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of recovery talk. Yeah, exactly. A lot of drug exactly. Drug, and that's always appreciate good. that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, lolterms.com, dot com. Like subscribe. like subscribe and share. Uh, thank you. And everybody. once again, if you'd like to share your experience, strength, and hope with us, please reach out. Uh, message me. Uh, Tom, message the page, the group. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's it. All right. Thanks again, Reggie. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Peace. Peace. Tom. Peace. Peace. We approved this message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>